broadcasting your greatest humiliation is goddamned liberating. In February, I published I Didn't Marry a Prostitute, and almost like magic, I wasn't angry anymore. Sure, I was still wrestling with the implications of having what I thought was a solid, loving marriage implode in such a spectacular fashion, but the anger at her dissipated like mist and sunlight. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe send and listen to it. <laughs> hey gang, this is Don. Now, we've been running the Apecast for a long, long time, and rarely do we take breaks from the podcast. Um, but as it turns out, uh, we're kind of hitting both of us, both David and I are hitting places where his work and family obligations are just getting the best of him, um, where he's literally working 20 hour days and getting up at three o'clock in the morning and working until, you know, nine o'clock at night and sometimes even midnight, not getting enough sleep. And I'm in the process of kind of closing out my time here in Wichita and moving back to Chicago. So we are going to go on a bit of, I guess you'd call it a sabbatical. We're going to take a break. Um, we're going to take a break in the month of February so that everybody can get their stuff together. Um, I can get moved. He can get uh, some control over his uh, <laughs> his schedule. Um, and uh, and then we'll come back. We'll come back fresh and uh, very likely in person. Um, so uh, that's what we're going to do. So for today's episode, what we were going to talk about is... Uh, Saturday was my birthday and I turned 58 years old. And as is tradition with the Littered Ape cast and for the Littered Ape and for myself, I write uh, a piece that basically says, here are the things that I learned in my, the year that I just accomplished. And so what I'm going to do for this episode, if you still want to listen, that's fine. If not, uh, you know, if, if, if you're missing the witty repartee of Mr. Himmel and I, um, you can go ahead and uh, turn it off now um, and say, fuck that guy. And if you'd like to listen, I'm going to read my piece for my 13 years beyond the sell-by date, what I learned in 2023. For decades, I was completely convinced I would die by the time I turned 45. Don't ask why. It just seemed so real to me that most of my energy to achieve things was motivated by this ticking clock in the back of any room I sat in, informing me on the regular that it was destined to come to a stop before I took a single step into year 46. My own self-diagnosed psychotherapy sculpted a shape that resembled someone running away from or toward the inevitable conclusion with an ass on fire. How else to explain the sometimes reckless decision-making engaged throughout? Spoiler alert, I didn't cast off the mortal coil uh, then or since. Somehow, despite my conviction, I've made it another 13 years beyond my destiny, and in reflection, those 13 years have been... Well, strange. I joke now that the only thing left to do is to die in some bizarre, spectacular way to effectively end the story with a bang, a kitchen sink conclusion that seals the wild tale of my existence. 
As with most of the previous 45, these 13 have been painted with the brush of, as the song goes, looking for love in all the wrong places, gazing into the slightly cracked mirror of my path. Two things are right up there in front in the foreground. My oddly random resume of work and art and my chase of women who require chasing. The latter is culminated with a most ridiculous divorce, one so weird and wrong that the only appropriate responses are either a gun in my mouth or hysterical laughter. Quick hits of the past year include the publishing of two books, the first detailing my stumbling walk past the aforementioned divorce, the second a series of scenes from my 18 months working as a casino manager near the Las Vegas Strip during the pandemic. I suggest you go to Literate Ape, go to the bookshelf, go to the bookshelf and buy both of my freaking books. Also buy Hope Idiotic. It's good. The unfolding of a gig uh, in Wichita that was both highly flexible but lacking any challenge whatsoever, and the daily walk between my mother and I as we both crawled out of graves we both had created for ourselves without realizing it. 58 years. 2023. I'd call it a year of healing, of figuring out what I want to do with these extra years, less of reinvention and more of reclamation. It was a calendar flip filled with a great pause in the road, looking back with one eye squinting forward, standing still in preparation for a final push into a future unknown but familiar. I've been writing, in one form or another, these birthday lessons since I was 13 years old. I still have almost all of them, missing only years 17, 28, 29, and 37. Don't know where those are. So a recap every now and then is a solid approach. First, I just want to give you a short list of lessons previously acknowledged, but not quite learned. Worth mentioning because, hey, maybe I could actually check the boxes on these. All right. These are, these are from years past. Girls suck, especially Liddale Walter, year 14. I don't remember who Liddale Walter is. Marriage is a trap from which no one escapes uninjured, year 25. The difference between interest and obsession is obvious when you find yourself losing sight of yourself in the pursuit. Year 19. Nothing is as good or as bad as it seems at the time. Year 32. The person who needs to be chased and won over will always want to be chased and won over. Year 27. A transactional relationship will always be transactional. Year 54. A pattern emerges. When combined with historical record, it starts to look like a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle with the edges framing an obvious picture. My approach to romance doesn't really work for me, does it? Other notable lessons include embrace your irrelevance in the world. We are not the center because there is no center, year 52. Trust is given. Respect is earned, year 35. Compromise with people, but never compromise with yourself. Year 20. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Only love that which can love you back. Year 45. Cool is defined by the number of people who disapprove. Year 27. It's good stuff. I mean, I like it. Some of it's poorly written, but I like it. Some which stuck in the learning year. Others that took years to solidify. So what then was learned in this 58th year of our Lord. One, security and comfort are the safe rooms for complacency. 
for most for the for the first time in my life i actually spent a year and a half at rest i've been on the move for so long that simply relaxing spending genuine quality time with my family and feeling secure in my comfort was unusual and at first exactly what i needed a job that required very little of my mental energies an apartment that was super nice every place i needed to be within 15 minutes away i didn't feel the pull to create much. I had no desire to foster or build relationships or friendships or chase women. The most challenging part of any day was focused on when I'd eat, work out or when I'd eat, which movie or show I was going to watch and which book I would read. This place of complacency begs to be filled with drinking too much, eating too much, consuming too much of anything and everything that fills the time. Self-care easily slides into self-indulgence. I recognize as I, as I get older, I have less energy to push myself, to burn that figurative candle at both ends, like David's been doing. In contrast, I also spend a lot of time listening to my parents. My dad has all but given up on living any sort of life. Sure, he's riddled with cancers, is forced to endure the medieval torture that is dialysis just to stay alive, and can barely walk more than 20 feet before he's tapped out. But he has little to look forward to each day but one meal. He sits in front of the television, the volume maxed out due to his dwindling ability to hear, and complains about the fact that his life has passed. In contrast, my mom was in that zone herself, content to languish yet required to make that one meal and make sure her husband survived the next day, and she was full of resentment that she couldn't live any sort of life beyond the walls of their home. As soon as I provided the bare minimum in terms of help, she started going to Pilates, hungry to go out and do things, be active in a church, go to the symphony, see movies in the theater, enjoy concerts my job provided tickets to, and embrace the truth that she was not sick or dying unless she chose to be. The result of this, in part, included a record-breaking recovery time from hip replacement and a feature story in a Pilates magazine about her resilience and strength. Now, it would be easy to take the safety and security of Wichita and eventually become like my dad, but there's just too much of my mom in me to accept retirement. It is the absence of comfort that pushes me to get creative, to get moving like my ass is on fire. The relative ease is certainly... The relative ease of certainty is a shackle. Earlier in my time spent in Wichita, it hit me. The only way to live is to assume I'll live forever and get on with things. I'd rather die used up than rusted out. Two, I'd rather be a tiny fish in a huge pond than the other way around. Wichita is a small place. For the promotions assistant I hired earlier this year, it's huge. The big city. Perspective is forced by association. After 30 years in Chicago, even Las Vegas seemed like Mayberry with neon, so I can't expect anything less than viewing Wichita as a tiny city with limited opportunities for me. Like Vegas, most of the jobs I might be most useful doing are gate-kept by the legacy of small-town protectionism, and the artistic pursuits I might have leapt into would require that I not only create the stuff, but likewise create the market for it. There isn't any question that if I applied the energy and enthusiasm necessary, I could be a big deal, you know, mover or shaker in Wichita. The difficulty lies in that there are so few spots to insert myself, and I've spent the time being secure and comfortable in the confines of my bitchin' studio apartment. A rolling stone requires room to roll. Turns out I'd, I'd, turns out I'd rather be anonymous and thriving in a genuinely big city than be a big deal in a tiny one.
Three, broadcasting your greatest humiliation is goddamned liberating. In February, I published I Didn't Marry a Prostitute, and almost like magic, I wasn't angry anymore. Sure, I was still wrestling with the implications of having what I thought was a solid, loving marriage implode in such a spectacular fashion, but the anger at her dissipated like mist and sunlight. Yes, the revelation that my wife had decided to have sex for both pleasure and cash without cluing me in and my inability to see what was right in front of my eyes for nearly three years comprised the worst experience I can recall in most of my 58, as well as most of my most horrifying humiliations. The act of writing about how I was feeling and what I needed to do to prevent hopping off the roof of a building was cleansing. My guess is that this sort of melodramatic divorce would end some folks. On this 58th birthday, I can definitely state that the book helped me recover in record time and is a lasting thing to keep on my bookshelf to remind me that of the many mistakes I made and that they are both mine to own and mine to avoid in the future. Simply put, if you don't have secrets, no one can use them against you. Four. Why you keep doing something is not as helpful as simply recognizing you keep doing it and stopping. If it wasn't apparent before this year, it is now. I suck at staying married. Of the four long-term relationships outside of friendships and family, the pattern is obvious. I'm attracted to women who are not attracted to me. So I chase them. I'm pretty relentless. And in each case, these women finally find enough about me that works, that they capitulate to my woo. Not bad looking. I'm driven, enthusiastic, and for the most part, pretty funny. Then after a time, I stop chasing and the reality hits them. Too many aspects of me they don't like would love to change, and the game begins. In the parlance of 2023, I should definitely see a therapist, because knowing why I do this is supposed to help with the change. You know what's better? More to the fucking point? Stop chasing women who don't dig me. Just stop chasing. Who gives a shit why I do it? Don't do it. Problem solved. Does this mean I'll never have a romantic partner, short or long term? Maybe. I don't know. Better be alone than to keep this shit up because the pattern has me chasing worse and worse partners each time. Next up, a serial killer or a Republican. I'll pass. Thanks. Five, solitude has serious recuperative power. As a child, I spent a lot of time by myself. Frequently, the new kid in a new neighborhood, I found myself without a circle of familiarity and had to choose between engaging yet another group of friends to be made and all the work that entails or keep my own company. As an adult, that sort of solitude has been rare, despite the near constant hop from work environments, cities, and social cohorts. This year, I spent far more time alone in my apartment, on the road, in my office, working out, walking. Sans social media, my circle has grown smaller but more significant, and I've made no attempt to engage into new relationships. Now, the benefit has been time to reacquaint myself with my family, and I spend some serious time learning about myself. That Rolling Stone mentality rarely affords the opportunity to stop rolling and look at yourself, so the solitude of my Italian prison here in the heartland has given me pause. Stare into the abyss, and yes, the abyss stares back. I spent far more time sitting, doing nothing. 
allowing my mind to aimlessly navigate nostalgia, failures, successes, going to parks and the mall and just watching people move through the world. There are so many who wander with a deep sadness in their eyes. And then, like a song that pops out of nowhere, there are those walking through the world with purpose and a determination not to give in to the misery. In my moments of sorrow over so many things that both haven't turned out the way I expected them and the sense of almost pathological loss that merely getting older foments, I want to be that song and the chaos of despair. Without the luxury of the time spent in which I doubt I'd ever given myself that time. Ever, for any reason. Six. And this is kind of an obvious one, but follow me. Human creativity is vital to everything. Yeah, I know it's obvious, but very few think about poetry. When's the last time you listened, you listened to a poem or you read a poem? It's a strange act of human creativity that we take for granted when life is just chugging along. It's there, but not present in the face of credit scores and cars that need repair until you experience loss or heartache. Then it is poetry and music and film and books that come to your rescue to remind you that many others have felt just like you do, have lived through the exact same pain you currently endure. I've always believed in the power of art, but I hadn't really thought about this desire to reach out and grab onto it when the water is creeping above the neck until I read a few emails from people, both men and women, who bought the aforementioned prostitute book and found some sort of camaraderie and solace in my extreme tale. I found the same sort of embrace by diving into art this year. Men and women who'd experienced these feelings of loss, melancholy, restlessness, and doom, and had chosen to channel it all into a lyric, a poem a movie, a book, or even a short story or essay. Art is a healing salve and a rude awakening. It is essential. Seven, less drama is a net positive. A year unplugged garners the benefits of a drama-free existence. All right, I'm a bit of a drama junkie, thus my choices in relationship partners. And the absence of almost any drama whatsoever has had an effect. Time suggests that I, I've have that I have had my fill of dramatics in life. Petty squabbles and frenemies are somewhat sexy in the early stages of life, but at fifty-eight, I don't have the fucking time to waste. Sure, I might make it to 104, but I have a limited energy level for bullshit in a way that I never had before. Heading back to Chicago, I'll strive to avoid it as much as possible. Eight, family is where it's at. I've been the infrequent family member for decades. Show up a couple times a year, blaze in, soak in the love and laughter, then head back out. While I'm ultimately going back to that status... This year with my family has been a genuine boon. Movie days, survivor nights, visiting the gravestones of my ancestors with mom, cooking for birthdays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you name it. I was surrounded by love and support. I'd like to think I was helpful and supportive too. I got to enjoy some real time with my mom, my dad, my sister. I feel closer to my niece. I was actually in the room for birthdays. Yeah, this stone's got a roll. But having my moss in Kansas is something I'll not forget nor will I neglect. Nine, the last one. Time is your ally. Tom Hanks is sitting around a filmed round table with Robert De Niro, Jamie Foxx, Shia LaBeouf, Adam Sandler, Adam Driver, you know, 
an actor's thing. And at one point he says, I wish I'd known that this too shall pass. You feel bad right now? Feel pissed? Feel angry? This too shall pass. You feel great? You feel like you know all the answers? You feel everybody finally gets you? This too shall pass. Time is your ally. And if nothing else, just wait. Just wait it out. True words and worth heeding. Hanks has been on top and bottom for longer than a lot of us have drawn breath. So it's wisdom from someone who knows. This year, this lesson became very real to me. I don't see it as a call to live things passively, but more to understand the cycles of life, to take those things that are genuinely important seriously and let those things that are mercurial and momentary wash away like rainwater. As I leap off the cliff of my 59th year, I feel recharged, connected to my family in a way that would have never happened without this year, filled with the kind of sweaty anticipation that is the crack cocaine of my strange path in life. I'm looking forward rather than backwards because the rearview mirror is great until you realize that your eyes need to be on the road or you run the vehicle into a light pole. Heading back to Chicago feels like a fresh start, despite going back to the same job I had when I left. It it all makes me look forward rather than back, and that's it's a pretty good view, gang. I'm going to close out my lessons with one of my favorite poems that just happened to resonate for me this year. The Laughing Heart by Charles Bukowski. Your life is your life. Don't let it be clubbed into dank submission. Be on the watch. There are ways out. There is a light somewhere. It may not be much light, but it beats the darkness. Be on the watch. The gods will offer you chances. Know them. Take them. You can't beat death, but you can beat death in life sometimes. And the more often you learn to do it, the more light there will be. Your life is your life. Know it while you have it. You are marvelous. The gods wait to delight in you. And that's pretty much, <laughs> that's what I learned. 20 minutes of what I learned in uh, year 58. All consolidated. Let's squish down into that piece. And uh, I hope some of it resonated with you. And if not, yeah, if you think I'm full of shit, go ahead and write in. You know, we don't use show notes, but we always lie about it. Um, but yeah. Let us know. Um, and in the meantime, take take February off from the Apecast because we're going to take it off. Um, and uh, enjoy your February. Um, take care of yourself. Uh, and we will be back uh, sometime in that first week of March 2024. Thanks for listening. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on literateape.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you go to get that delicious podcast experience. If you enjoy the dulcet sounds of two white guys babbling about whatever comes into their stunted brains, leave us a review anywhere that, you know, re reviews are left. And share it with someone whom which you have a dubious relationship. For information about Literate Ape, Go to literateape.com, of course, and check out the rest of our podcasts and our years of scribbling. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.
Tu as 